Blog Talk Radio. Black Politics Today. An eye for what's at stake in global politics and your source for the social, economic, and political impact of public policy on the African American community. Your host, Kelly Michael Williams, is a political strategy veteran with an undefeated campaign record and the political experience that spans nearly three decades from Mayor Willie Brown in California to President Barack Obama in our nation's capital. So get ready for a fresh and honest approach on the politics that affect you and your family the most. Now, your host, Kelly Michael Williams. And that's a question we need to be asking ourselves. What's going on? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And as I do with every show, I always pause and thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just for allowing me to host this show, to have this platform, and to be able to reach across this globe and highlight what's at stake socially, economically, and politically for African Americans. Um, <clears throat> as I do that today, uh, most of you can probably hear it in my voice. I got a little bit of head cold, a little... Uh, throat issues. So I want to apologize ahead of time when you hear me clearing my throat throughout the show if, if that happens to, to take place and uh, any uh, uh, pauses or breaks you hear in me uh, talking or addressing issues. Uh, but just uh, just know that the show will go on and uh, because tonight, my guest, I wanted to make sure no matter what happened, I was available uh, for tonight because as I said, <clears throat> We're reaching across everywhere, talking about the issues socially, economically, and politically. And as we see today, um, and have, <clears throat> excuse me, and have witnessed over the past two years, uh, people of color are under attack. Uh, we're under attack from the very person and the very entity for whom, by virtue of their position, is supposed to be the one to set the tone for inclusion, equality. Um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and all those things. Uh, unfortunately, uh, because he himself is a racist, uh, it's like asking David Duke to come to an NAACP meeting and, and run the meeting. It ain't going to happen. So I'm grateful to God just for allowing me to share these instances and, and the issues that I think are vital and important to our community and vital and important to our, <clears throat> our future and, and what goes on in our community. I think if we have not figured out by now that we need to make sure we stand up, that we, as we used to say, you know, uh, take names and uh, do some other stuff, I think we need to recognize that that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we get involved in this process, that we make sure that we are uh, informed and educated in this process. I'm talking about social, economic, political process. I'm talking about the the voting process. I'm talking about the uh, economic uh, uh, platform and the economic process, because ladies and gentlemen, right now, uh, another four years of this administration, I fear would literally uh, turn this country upside down. 
uh, not just from a domestic standpoint, but from an international and national security standpoint. Um, <clears throat> when you have people who don't know what the hell they're doing and they're running this country, it is critical, and I mean critical, for everything that goes on. Um, I've worked in government. I've worked at the executive branch and executive office. And to know and see and hear the things that go on and to know about the things that go on, to have people like this uh, congressman who has no intelligence background experience whatsoever to then be the DNI hit is absolutely ludicrous. It's just crazy. And I, 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 I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired uh, unfortunately, I'm just one person and I'm hosting this show because I'm hoping to reach a number of you on the issues and the, and the concerns that you have um, that you may not you know, talk about or, or you do talk about, but you talk among friends and you don't really look to mainstream media to help you out. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm, I'm hoping and praying that you know, this show, this broadcast helps you to at least reach some of those those areas of understanding and acknowledgement that you need. And I'm excited tonight because tonight my guest is is uh, the uh, first African-American elected uh, sheriff of Durham County in uh, Durham, North Carolina, uh, Clarence Burkhead. And with the two mass shootings that we had this past weekend, killing over 30 people and injuring over 80 people, back-to-back racist-fueled massacres, it took only 130 seconds for those people to die and those people to get injured. <clears throat> Police responded within 60 seconds in one case and within 30 seconds in the next case, and those people were already dead before they were able to, one, kill in, uh, the, the perpetrator in one case and arrest the other one in the other case. 130 seconds, these magazines and everything that goes on, and then you have someone, <clears throat> 21-year-old, I think it was a 21-year-old, uh, no, it was the other kid in, in uh, Dayton, who then kills his sister. Now, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if she got in the way. I don't know what was going on. But the fact that you're out there trying to kill everybody and then you end up killing your own sister says a whole lot. If it was intentional, says even more. But if it's accidental, says a whole lot. And we have people continually doing this. And it's like, these are the issues that Sheriff Burkhead should have to be thinking about at night when he's, you know, going through his process of decompressing and looking at what's going on and, and how he's preparing for his next day. These are the issues that he should be worried about. These are the issues that he was elected to deal with. These are the issues that he was uh, uh, brought into office for um, under the Constitution. The sheriffs are the, the you know, top uh, law enforcement officers of the county, and, and they are the, the, the magistrate, if you will, of those counties. These issues of keeping his family safe, keeping his, his uh, constituents safe or the citizens and the re- residents of his county, of Durham County safe, those are the things that he should be worried about. Not legislation by a Republican-controlled state um, legislature or a Republican U.S. senator going after him through legislation to strip him of his office or fine him or strip him of his, his duties as a sheriff because he decided not to volunteer for a volunteer program. Yeah, you heard me. He decided not to volunteer for a volunteer program. So these Republicans decided they're going to now mandate that he volunteer for a volunteer program, and they want to put it in legislation. They want to codify it in law and make him do it because he and seven of his comrades, seven other black elected, newly elected sheriffs have said, no, we're not doing that. We're not using our resources. We're not giving up our people. And we want to keep our community safe. We want to keep the people in our community, you know, feeling like they have an advocate in us so that if something goes wrong, we'll be there to help them and support them. That's what we want to do. But yet these individuals have decided to 
try to enforce something and try to do something that, and, and its face violates the Constitution. But only for political purposes are they doing it. Because, see, when there were white sheriffs there, they didn't do that. Now that there's these eight black sheriffs, they're coming after what they call now urban sheriffs. Urban sheriffs. Code name, black sheriffs. Code name, brown sheriffs. Code name, not our sheriffs. You know, because we're in this category, they're in that category. So tonight it's a privilege and an honor for me to have Sheriff Burkhead uh, as my exclusive guest tonight to discuss these mass shootings in our society, but more importantly, to talk to him about what he's doing in Durham County and bringing the people together that has allowed him to share uh, as what he has done, has brought his community together, allowed them to share their grievances or talk to him about community policing and other things that are going on in Durham that has now uh, allowed him to, when he ran, win his election 91%. He got 91% of the vote. So that tells you right there what type of individual this is. That tells you right there what kind of man and public servant he is. But it also tells you what type of leader he is and what he's going to do. And I want to uh, bring him on, bring him to the show, welcome him to the show, as well as have as we get ready to talk about the tale of two shares. Because, you know, there's always two of something. It's either you're good, or you're bad, or, or, you know, one hand or the other, they'll figure it out. But I want to welcome you to the show, Sheriff. Good evening. Thank you so much. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you as always. Uh, excited to be on the show. And as you've just articulated, a uh, horrific weekend uh, in our country, uh, you know, Texas and Ohio. Uh, but we're going to con- continue to fight, continue to protect our communities, continue to build community. And let's have this conversation tonight about Absolutely. where we are. As a, as a country, absolutely. Because I mean, the 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 reality of these shootings, and I and and I've heard McConnell and other folks, con- members of Congress, and even state legislators say, well, you know, people, you know, they bought the gun legally, they did this legal and everything else. We understand that they can legally purchase these weapons and do certain things, but even the legality of that should be taken into consideration in terms of the magazines, because if you can kill. 30 people in 30 seconds when most police officers are carrying a nine millimeter where they may have 14 rounds in their clip, if, if that, but then they have to reload, but you have a hundred rounds in yours, something, you know, that in and of itself just says, that's not a fair fight. Something should be done. But what gets me is that these are innocent lives. These are innocent women and children. They're Republicans and Democrats. They're citizens and non-citizens, and they are just dying for no reason simply because we don't want to limit how many bullets they have or we don't want to limit the type of weapon they have. And it's always this thing about, well, I'm using it for sport. If you need an AK-47 to shoot a deer, clearly you aren't doing your sport well. I mean, let's be real about this. And this this is what really gets me, sir, and, and this is me talking, not you. I'm going to go on my little bandwagon here. This Ohio State legislator, Candace Keller, who then comes out with this ignorant statement about, oh, well, we've got to blame the gays and lesbians and the advocates and the black folks and Obama and because they don't read the Constitution, and this is why they all die. I mean, the ignorance mm-hmm. of that is just crazy. I just saw that before we came on the air, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, how, how do you deal with uh, the, the reality that these clips are in your community, could be in your community, and how you would, may have to deal with this type of situation? And, and truly, I pray to God that you would never have to deal with that. But what would be the, the, the barrier that you would have to use or, or, or uh, I guess, a, a protocol that you would have to use to deal with something like this? Because if your officers don't have the clips or the rounds or the ammo or whatever, there can be mass destruction anywhere and everywhere in this country. That's right. And, and you, you just made a very good point. These individuals are dying uh, at the hands of persons who possess high-capacity magazines, and there's no place for high-capacity magazines in our community. Those are military-style weapons. Uh, those are law enforcement SWAT teams 
type weapons. There's just no place for them. Um, it, to deal with something like this, like you said, it took less than took less than two minutes for over 31 people to to die, over 80 to be injured. Right. Some some still critical. The law enforcement response in these two cases just happened to be almost perfect, and we still exactly. had that amount of critical critical loss of life. So right. here, we would hope we never have to deal with it here in Durham, North Carolina, but as demonstrated time and time again, we have had over 250 mass shootings this year. And so there is no particular community that is being impacted, and there is certainly no community that is immune from having these events, these tragic incidents occur in, in their in their jurisdiction, in their county. So what we have to do is we have to be on high alert all the time, and we should not be. But we have to be ready uh, for when these situations happen because they can happen at a moment's notice, and there's no way to be prepared 24-7. And, and law it, enforcement is historically reactive, uh, so we just have to be ready. And and when these when these and this is what I tell my my constituents in every community I go to when I'm talking to community members and organizations, if you hear something, say something. If you see something, say something. If your neighbor is a gun owner and is shooting out the back door and and being irresponsible with their weapons and and how they uh, discharge their weapons, call us because there are ordinances in place, there are laws in place. Uh, when I was campaigning, I advocated for smart gun ownership, smart gun legislation. I support the Second Amendment. Sure, I do. But let's be smart with it. Let's have universal background checks. Okay? Let's have, let's pass. Right. We've got some really good legislation moving forward in North Carolina, red flag laws. Let's pass the red flag law so it gives us another tool to protect, not to take away someone's guns just for the mere fact of taking it away, but to protect right. our, our, our citizens and our residents. So that's what we have right. to do here in Durham. And that's what I'm committed to do uh, here in Durham. Well, I want to commend you um, for that because certainly no community is immune from it. And as we can see, uh, Dayton, El Paso, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, Columbine or, or Sandy Hook or, you know, Vegas. I mean, it, it's all over the place. And like you said, We've already had over 250 mass shootings already. I think it's some 18 to 2,000 people have already been killed uh, and are injured by these shootings. And it's it's just unnecessary to um, feel like you know you, we have to continue to do this. And 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 in this case, I mean, this is like the third shooting in in a week. You know, you had. Yes. Uh, uh, this one, and then El Paso, and then you have one in, in Gilroy. Um, it's yes. just, at, at some point, we have to say enough is enough. If you want to join the conversation, mm-hmm. give us a call at two, uh, 516-590-0143. 516-590-0143. And so with that as that backdrop, let me uh, uh, talk to you about what you're doing there in Durham, because you're coming up on your uh, annual National Night Out against crime in the community. And I mean, man, with this as the backdrop, yeah. I, I, I'm sure that this is going to be one of those one of those events where you will probably have a a larger than expected number of of uh, residents coming out to talk and and to you know communicate and connect with the law enforcement so that they themselves can be safe and their children. Talk to me about what you guys are doing there that, in Durham. That is correct. We. In Durham, there's been a tremendous outpouring of, of support for these communities already, but you're right, it's, it's on the heels of our national night out. Uh, we have communities all across Durham County, Durham City coming together to talk about community safety, so, to celebrate <clears throat> the quality of life that we have here. So I, I will be uh, mobile tomorrow evening uh, trying to visit as many of the communities as I, as I can to engage them in in meaningful public safety conversation to talk about the issues that are uh, particular to their neighborhoods. Um, so, and I've got my staff going out as well. One of the things I did uh, once I came into office 
uh, is I created the Office of Community Engagement. And uh, my director of community engagement, Ms. Grace Marsh, has done a fantastic job of plugging us in all across the county so we can hear from uh, these individuals. No one really knows what's going on in their community better than they do. So right, we're constantly right. meeting with them and having conversations, and we'll certainly continue those tomorrow night during National Night Out. Looking forward to it. Uh, and we are about to launch our Community Citizens uh, Advisory Board, Community Advisory Board for the Sheriff's Office. Never been done before here in this jurisdiction in Durham, so I'm excited about that. Again, bringing individuals uh, from across our diverse communities here in Durham to talk to the sheriff, to talk to me and my staff about issues and how we can problem solve together. So we're looking forward to National Night Out. Following up on that, looking for uh, to put this board together and, and really staying engaged with the community. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that, so I'm glad you brought it up uh, about your community engagement uh, uh, board and uh, what you're going to do and, and what uh, prompted you to do that and what you expect to get out of that. So I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, let's talk about that and talk about what you're doing because it's the first of its kind, like you said, for your community. So let's delve into that and, and see what's going on. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Not all superheroes wear capes. Most wear jeans or sweaters or suits, just like ordinary people, because that's what they are. They are the 1.2 million members of Rotary, men and women whose superpowers are the capacity to care and the desire to make the world better. So the next time you need a superhero, don't look in the sky, look in the mirror. Learn more at Rotary.org. Rotary, humanity in motion. How's your lunch? Mm, good, Dad, but not as good as the sandwiches you used to make. Really? Sure. Remember how you'd melt the cheese first and dry the pickles on a paper towel so they didn't make the bread soggy? Oh, and then you'd cut it into four pieces with no crust? I did all that. <laughs> Jeez, Dad, how would anyone forget something like that? You never know which moments will be the ones they'll remember forever. So take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one eight seven seven for dad 411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. top of the minivan. We're only going for two weeks. You want me to back the kitchen sink too? Well, is there room? Hey, you guys, you going on vacation? Who's that? I don't know. Because we're planning on robbing your house tonight. All right, I'm calling an alarm service. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. There's a simple blood test called A1C that can help measure your risk of complications from diabetes. Why is it important? Because more than 600 people every day die from diabetes and its complications. If your A1C is above 7, your doctor can show you how to lower it. If you have diabetes, know your risk. Know your A1C. Ask your doctor. Or for more information, go to www.diabetesa1c.org or call 1-877-TEST-A1C. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. You're listening to Black Politics Today, an eye for what's at stake in global politics, and your source for the social, economic, and political impact on the African-American community. So join the conversation at 516-590-0143 and share your viewpoint at 516-590-0143. Now, back to your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 516-590-0143. That's 516-590-0143. My guest tonight is the Durham County Sheriff, first African-American elected to the position 
of sheriff in Durham County. He is one of eight others uh, in uh, the largest counties there in North Carolina. Uh, he, uh, along with his fellow brothers and sisters, uh, shocked the state uh, in 2018 uh, when they were elected. And now um, they're doing some great things individually. Uh, the state legislature is is coming after them and, and trying to uh, impose new regulations, new laws, and even so much as try to strip them of their powers in their office and even fine them uh, monetarily uh, for things uh, simply because they won't play by uh, the Republican-controlled uh, state legislature's rules. The, the, the legislature feels that they can impact and tell the sheriffs what to do. <clears throat> However, the sheriffs are constitutionally elected and uh, appointed to their positions, and so there's a whole lot of things that they cannot do, even though they're trying to do it, but uh, uh, we're going to see what happens in the end. But uh, tonight, we're talking about uh, some of the things that uh, Sheriff Burkhead is doing in his community, and uh, he had mentioned before we took our break that he had uh, established the first community engagement board um, where uh, the community engagement, community advisory board uh, that he has established. And uh, we want to talk to you about that, uh, Sheriff. Um, talk to us about the community advisory board and what prompted you to establish it. And then how did you go about, I guess, getting the members of the community to participate? And what, were their, what was their response to it? Certainly, certainly. Well, we haven't launched it yet. Well, what we've, uh, we, we are in the process of receiving applications. So we hope to go live uh, September 1. The idea came as I was campaigning and, and, and traveling across Durham County, talking to uh, the, the citizens and the residents, again, about the things that are affecting their neighborhood, things that are having a, a negative impact on their quality of life. And so part of remaining engaged as I, I committed to during the campaign, I said I need to form, uh, create an opportunity for the citizens and the residents to continue to be engaged with me after I'm in office, and and that's how this idea was 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 formulated. We're going to put out application process to be members of the board. You serve for two years. Uh, you must live in Durham County. You don't have to be a, a U.S. citizen because I want some diversity. On here, as you just mentioned, there's some immigration issues that we're dealing with here in North Carolina. But right. I thought, what better way, what better way to to hear from the the residents of Durham County than to have them all come together? And, and so it, it is twofold for me. I get to hear from them; uh, they get to hear from me, of course. But they get to talk to one another and build sort of this holistic community across Durham, because we are all. Nothing new under the sun. We're all dealing with the same issues, very similar issues in, in communities. But to have a collection of 25 folks, that's what we're shooting for, come together and help advise me, point out perhaps my blind spots because I can't be everywhere and see everything. Uh, again, I just think it's going to be a great opportunity to, to enrich uh, how we do our job as law enforcement by, by listening to our constituents. And, you know, that's a Sir Robert Peel has always been in the back of my mind as I serve the community. Uh, the community are the police. The police are the community. So what better way to bring us together to, to do that and have those conversations on a quarterly basis? We're very, very excited about that. It's, it's an excellent idea. I love it. And I like the fact that um, you're allowing those who <clears throat> may not have their citizenship to participate because they can talk to you about some of the things that are going on that they would not normally talk to you about because they'd be more afraid of you than including you. And I think it also will help other folks understand, you know, what's going on in their community and what's going on in their, uh, in their life so that they can understand more about what's driving them and what's bringing them here. And it's always interesting to me that uh, we always, don't mind things when it's benefiting us, but we always have a problem when it benefits someone else that doesn't look like us. Mm -hmm. So immigration was never an issue, you know, when it was uh, European uh, folks coming over here, but now it's an issue now. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, even though it's a net zero of more people leaving than coming, um, 
it's it's always amazing to me. So I'm 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 very excited about that for you. I, I want to commend you and, and salute you for doing that and give you all the uh you know, wish you all the best with it and pray that uh, everything works out and that the people that you've selected or will select uh will be of service to you. Talk to me now about this uh, community engagement that you're doing, because I understand that you're hiring a lot of people. Uh, you're doing mm-hmm. a, a, a big hiring uh, on that area or in that area. And what what is that looking like and, and what's going on there? Well, um, like I said, Ms. Grace Marsh is heading that effort for me. Uh, and we're trying to hire we're trying to hire uh, deputies and administrative personnel that are a reflection of Durham County. Durham County is very diverse. Uh, we have rich cultures from all over the state of North Carolina, all over the country living here in Durham. You know, we have Duke University right here um, right. in our backyard, North, North Carolina Central University. Right down the road, we have NC State. So uh, then we have the Research Triangle Park. So Durham County is, is a melting pot. To, to, to say the least. Uh, so we want an agency, we want a sheriff's office that is reflective of that. And so that's gone into my hiring practices. Uh, that's gone into how I changed the face, so to speak, uh, of the sheriff's office of certainly being the first African-American. That was an immediate change uh, to, to lead this agency, but I also wanted to, to trickle all the way down uh, to the deputies and those who work in the detention facility uh, again. Uh, having an agency, agency that is reflective of of Durham committee, Durham community, and the the goal is to build relationships. So if you're working for the sheriff and you get to know the sheriff and how the sheriff's office works, you take that back to your family, you take that back to your community, you take that back to right. the church, and then right. other people. So the conversation begins to to swell across the community, across the county. And people become more educated and more in touch. One of the things that people often said to me as I was campaigning, we don't know what the sheriff does. What's, right. you, I was just here to ask you and talk to you about that. Yes, exactly. Talk to mm-hmm. us about that because, as I was saying, uh, most people don't know that the sheriff is codified in the Constitution and that your roles and that your powers and things of that nature are quite vast. And you guys, you know, I, I think of it, I always try to tell people, think of it from this way. And when you watch the movie Selma and Bull Connor and how he used to mm-hmm. run things and do things, uh, how when we went to try to go vote, we couldn't vote. When we went down, we tried to, you know, walk down the street, we got the dogs chased. Think about all those things. And that was the sheriff who controlled mm-hmm. everything that went on in that county. And it was his say and, and nobody else's. I mean, things, of course, changed a little bit now, but that's the way it was. Uh, talk to us about that. So talk to you about your role and, and what you do as sheriff and how important and vital it is that we have more African-American men and women in that position to help us understand uh, our rights and, and our value in those communities. You're absolutely correct. <clears throat> the, the sheriff's office, and that's what this is, this is an office. Uh, constitutionally elected office, uh, the top law enforcement official in the county. Every county in, in uh, North Carolina has a sheriff. Dates back to uh, the 1700s. Before there was a county, there was a sheriff. Uh, we originally were appointed by the king. So when we uh, became the United States and became certainly the state of North Carolina, uh, it was written into the Constitution that every county would have a sheriff. The sheriff is historically respond, used to collect the taxes. Thank goodness we don't do that anymore. Right. But, right. Uh, the sheriff sure. is responsible for the detention center. So I'm the custodian of the detention center. But I'm also responsible for the court, uh, courtroom, courthouse, the judges, judge security, civil process, uh, subpoenas. Uh, all, all the civil process comes through the sheriff's office, but we also have a full complement of law enforcement power. So I, we work traffic, drug investigations, homicide investigations. We do we do everything, and uh, we also have the special teams. So the sheriff, again, I report to no one but the people. The people voted me in. The people can vote me out. Uh, 
I technically don't have a boss other than the, the 315,000 residents who live in uh, Durham County. And that's a right. lot of power. So a lot of people <laughs> would ask, who do you report to? I said, I report to you. And they would chuckle, but I'm like, no, it's, it's the truth because this right. is an office of the people. And, and really gets it gets under my skin when people say, I'm going to call the sheriff's department. That's where you'll never get us because there is no such thing as the sheriff's department. This is an office, uh, an office with a lot of power, and when used properly can impact the quality of life, can certainly have an influence on legislation, as you've already pointed out. Some folks don't want that to be the case, but it is. Right, uh, right. So, and we're very, we're very strong here in North Carolina when we, when we stand together as all 100 sheriffs. Um, and the goal is to serve our constituent communities, uh, to make good on our promises that we campaigned on, uh, and, and just continue to enrich the lives of everyone, not just who, the, the citizens, but for everyone who lives in our community. So very powerful right, position. It, it really is, and, and I think what a lot of people – don't recognize and understand that is that you're right. You, the, the chief of police reports in response to the mayor or the, uh, the uh, city manager or someone like that, whereas mm-hmm. you, Correct. you're elected. It, it's only the people, you know, there, you don't, you don't have a boss. So, you know, when, when the legislature is trying to come down on you and make you do something <laughs> that, that <laughs> now they're trying to legislate you to do, it's like, wait a minute, you know, you, you're violating my authority of who I am, right? You're trying to take that authority That's away right. from me. So it's, it's, That's right. it's crazy to me, but it's ironic to me that so many, uh, you know, folks who see the sheriff just think of it as like just another police force or it's just like, oh, well, that's just the police department and, and that's what they are. That's who they are. But your authority is vast. And so when you yeah. think of that, and I want the listeners to recognize that authority being vast and when, like, I think your incumbent was there for 24 years. Is that correct? Is, did I get yours right? Uh, well, actually in office uh, for almost 40 years, but served 40 years. Only, only served as the sheriff for, uh, for like eight years. But here, here's okay. the thing. Historically, this, you know, the sheriff's office has been occupied by uh, to, to use uh, former Attorney General Sessions' term, Anglo. Right. And, and so now, remember he made that statement? This is the oh, yeah, institution. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and he made so the statement, me, too. I'll say it so you don't have to. <laughs> but he right. also made the statement that we want to make sure they stay in place so we can make sure we can yeah. enforce these laws because he understood the power of the sheriff, and he was critically uh, 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 evaluating the idea that if yeah. black folks or Latinos get in those positions, all hell's gonna break loose for us because we ain't gonna be able to control nothing no more. That's what he was saying. That's right. Uh, so I'll say it for you because uh, you the sheriff, you. so I don't want you to get in trouble. I'll say it and let them come after me because I know what they're gonna get when they come after me, okay? <laughs> but exactly. So okay. the people have to understand yeah, yeah. that. The, the people need to right. really pay attention, and that's why. Getting engaged and getting involved is so vital because there's always those instances where we don't know. And like you said, when you said, you're my boss, the people chuckled and laughed at you because they didn't understand. They didn't know. To them, it's just another office. And we need to be vigilant in our education. And I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing, but through your community policing, through your, you know, going to the schools and Doing your engagement, please, please, please reinforce that because I fear for you through this legislation. I'll be quite honest with you. And and um uh McFadden and and Dance and and um uh uh, uh, uh Rogers and the rest of them, because I know this legislature is pissed off and mad that eight black men and women won these elections and kicked out their incumbents for 20, 30, 40 years that they've been up there, and they all were Anglo, they were all Republican, and now you got some black folks who are Democrats or independents, or who, I guess they're all Democrats, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh mm-hmm. my God, wait a minute. 
Because the other thing that you guys have is that now that you have power of that county, if you can turn that county, you can change that legislature. And that's what they're fearful of. Because if you got the county, you got the legislature, you got eight counties, you can start changing the legislature and the people that are in that legislature, and you can turn North Carolina back to blue, even though it's like purple, red, whatever it is, you can have that. And they're Mm -hmm. fearful of that. And I don't know if their community recognizes that power that the sheriff's office holds. That's right. And and we we do. We spend a lot of time educating educating our population. And you referenced it. We are the major counties in North Carolina and all seven of us are African American, uh, with with uh the first lady Paula Dance, Sheriff Dance down in Pitt County. Right. So when you look at the political capital, the voting power that uh that rests in our counties that all voted for us. You mentioned it earlier. I got over almost 92, mm-hmm. 93% of the vote. Mm-hmm. That's a statement. And that's that's so a huge statement. This, this legislation statement. that they have proposed uh, is, is out to strip us of our power, erode the office of the sheriff of its power, uh, put us up against uh, – some of the federal agencies, you know, we've, you've already mentioned right. ICE and 287G right. and detainers. And, and let me just be clear so the, the listening audience will understand that detainers are not based on probable cause. And so I would be violating the United States Constitution if I hold someone on a detainer that is not based on probable cause. Because asking me to do so basically amounts to a new arrest and an arrest has to be made based on probable cause. And that's what House Bill 370 is attempting to do, to write into legislation that I must recognize uh, these detainers and work with Immigration Customs Enforcement Division. And, and that's just right. wrong on, on, on many levels. So we're, we're optimistic that the governor will veto that bill uh, once it passes both the House and the Senate and that we will have the votes to sustain that veto because, as the governor said himself, the bill is unconstitutional uh, because I am a constitutional, a constitutionally elected office. Exactly. And, and the idea that the judge who then says he can be released or she can be released because now <clears throat> they've met the requirement to be released, and then they tell them, well, no, you can't release him. You got to sit there and hold him again. Now, like you said, mm-hmm. you're violating not only his rights, because what most people don't recognize mm-hmm. is even if you're in this country illegally, you still have rights in this country. Yeah, you know, you have due process. That's right. You have due process. So that due process means that you have to follow the law in order to do what you need to do. Um, and so they're trying to circumvent your authority and, and having you do something that, as you just said, Constitutionally, but it's just illegal. You 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 can't do that and hold somebody without probable cause, arrest them without probable cause, and then detain them mm-hmm. without probable cause. I'm just gonna let them sit there for another. I think it was 96 hours, but I think they reduced it to what 48. That's you got to sit there, correct? Right. You got to sit there for another 48 hours after you've already been told by the judge you can be released. And I and I was listening to uh, I was listening to the young lady. I think she was in El Paso. These three young girls, they were like 15, 17, and 16 or something like that. And uh, the young girl said, you know, when I read the manifesto of the guy who did the shooting, she said, it horrified me that someone would be so angry at me just because I was Latino. And the first thing that clicked in my head was, my God, that's the same thing we experienced, our ancestors experienced. And the same thing we experienced just up until you know, I mean the late 60s, 70s. I mean, you know, and, and still to some extent to today, we're still experiencing, but it was just blatant back then like it is now with uh, Latinos, is that they hated us just because we were black. Right. And right. they would do things just because we were black. You know, the, 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 the uh, uh, lynch mobs and everything would come by. Oh, we see you. Let's just take you, string you up, and lynch you, and all those things, especially down in the South. It's, it's right. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I am just so excited. As, as you know, when I first met you and I called you up mm-hmm. and said, 
I want you on my show. I want to talk to you. I was just excited to know that you had won, that you were in the position you were in, and that seven others had done the same thing. It was just amazing to me, and I was just so excited and proud, and it was just like I was sticking my chest out, and I'm in D.C., you know, and I have nothing to do with it, but I was just so excited <laughs> because well, it certainly you guys are making a statement. Yeah, it was unprecedented. Yeah. You guys are making a statement, and unfortunately, people are making other statements, but those statements are violence, and those statements are contrary and contradictory to who we're supposed to be or who we say we are. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. How, I mean, when you're in your community, you're driving around, walking around, and people start recognizing that you're African-American, that you're the sheriff, they know you, and they know your position, they know everything else. How do you start dealing with the things of trying to heal people and, and help them understand that uh, you're there to protect them? Yeah, it, and that's what we do day in and day out. I enjoy getting out, talking to the community, uh, and letting them know, number one, that they now have access to the sheriff's office where uh, I want them to understand the position. I want them to understand what the office uh, has to offer to the community and the influence that we have. And I want them to know that the sheriff's office, as well as the police department, we are ineffective if we don't have your permission to do the job that we do. If we don't have your trust to do what's right all the time, not just when the camera's on us, but all the time. So I spend a lot of time talking, and I've been very well received. It, it, it's, I have to say it's, it's very gratifying and, and humbling at the same time to be so well received right now. People are looking for answers. Uh, just in the last 24, 36 hours, what happened, people are in pain. They're looking for answers. I, I was real glad to hear couple of our uh, national representatives come out and say this is domestic terrorism because that's exactly what it is. Exactly. We, 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 shy, we shy away from labels sometimes, but this is terrorism, uh, just like it was in the 60s. In, in the, right. This is terrorism, and when you are uh, deliberately going out to, to, to shoot and gun down people, it's an act of terrorism. Uh, and in turn, and, and it has a political angle. You, you don't right. like the immigration, so and so those elements as far as terrorism have been satisfied. So we spend a lot of time talking. There have been a, a number of vigils, as you can already imagine. Uh, tomorrow, I will be meeting with uh, our chief of police here. She and I have a great relationship. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to work with the men and women of the Durham Police Department, so we can be prepared. And we can continue to build strong uh, communities and and build alliances so we can work together to combat these issues. But it's been a good, uh, fast-paced eight months. I've been in office now eight months, and uh, it's just been a joy to to serve the the residents of Durham. And we're excited about what we're doing, looking forward to doing more. So talk to me about how many people or how many uh, on staff do you have uh, total that you're responsible for across your across your uh, county? I have right now uh, 494 individuals who work uh, for the sheriff's office. Uh, and, again, that covers law enforcement, civil process, the detention center, administrative staff, detectives, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're – we're number four in the state, uh, uh, fourth largest county in the state, and, and uh, the fourth largest uh, agency also, or fifth largest uh, agency, law enforcement agency, uh, as wow. it relates to sheriff's office. So we're we, and I'm looking to grow. Uh, if any of my county commissioners are listening, I'm looking to grow uh, because <laughs> we need the resources <laughs> to continue to do the great job that the men and women have done. Uh, over the years, and, and my goal as a leader is to take it to the next level. And in order to do that, I need the resources. Uh, and, and when I'm talking to the community and they're asking me what do I need, I tell them exactly, specifically what I need to continue doing this job. And unfortunately, we have to be prepared for acts of violence. Uh, right. We've seen an uptick in gun violence in our minority communities in Durham. We have okay. to combat that as as well. So we we, right. we just got to stay on top of it and be vigilant, as you said earlier, and build 
community. So say something, see something, say something, and let's work together to keep our community safe. All right. So talk to me. You know, I always end. I always ask the question, what's at stake for us? Talk to me about what's at stake for for um, your community, our community, uh, African-American community, and then your community there in Durham. What's at stake for us as we move forward looking at <clears throat> where uh, uh, this country is moving towards and where it's headed? Uh, because certainly we have some, 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 some real issues that we have to deal with. Uh, we have some real social issues we have to deal with um, that in turn turn into political issues. But uh, what's at stake for us? You know, with a heavy heart, I have to say life. Life itself is at stake right now. We are under attack. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly with that one. We And if we don't stand up, uh, take a stand uh, against the this divisive rhetoric that that is being, you know, promulgated right now from the national level on down, uh, we have to stand up and and push back because our lives are at stake. Whether whether you drinking the Kool Aid coming out of the White House and and or not, I know a young man put in his manifesto that he had these feelings prior to the current administration. It, Something tipped him over the edge. Uh, so what's exactly. at stake for black people is we're, we're getting pushed further and further back we're, if we're not getting killed. In our communities, we have to address the gun violence. We have to address the drug right. dealing. And we right. have to stand together. And, 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 I, and I'll say this. If we don't vote, we, we stand to lose more and more each and every year. Each and every year. become we become more marginalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, we become true minorities mm-hmm. because, you know, we... we even as a majority, right, even as a majority, exactly. we'll be a minority. That's correct. So, yeah, we we have a lot at stake. I, I'm the very fabric of our neighborhoods, uh, whether it be through gentrification or violence, as I've already said, is at stake. So for me, to encapsulate that in the word... Our lives are at stake. If we don't work with the sheriff's office across uh, North Carolina and beyond, uh, get out to get involved in the political process, know who's running for office, uh, back those who are of like mind, uh, who look like us, who talk like us, who think like us, who support us, we have Mm -hmm. to get out and be more politically involved. We certainly do. We're going to lose. And and the one thing that uh, and, uh, I would I certainly want to to put on your radar, which I'm sure is there, but unfortunately has not gotten a lot of of attention yet. And it, it, I think it's I think it's been skewed attention because we want to think of it from one side rather than thinking it from holistically. Is the census is that we have to yes. make sure we participate in the census. And what most people have not comprehended yet, in my opinion. Uh, is that the census is going to be going out during the same time this presidential election is going on. So all the attention is going to be on a presidential election, and the census is going to skip in, skip by, and go on about its business, and we will have been lost and left out, and our communities are going to lose valuable dollars. $850 billion is going to be uh, uh, divided up. And if our community does not respond, does not engage, does not respond, uh, reply to those census online through your telephone or, or the, the a hard copy uh, ballot of it, we could lose millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. We can lose representation. We can lose health care. We can lose schools. We can lose everything um, with that, along with the voting piece of it is, you know, th- th- it's just it's just so intricately entwined together that people have to understand that one leads to the other and without one, you can't get the other. And so the census is valuable. Voting and registering is valuable. And so, you know, I'm going to be out there with uh, my, we vote uh, campaign. We're going to be taking that across the nation, Mm -hmm. but uh, black politics today is going to be out there across the nation. And we're going to be writing about it, publishing about it, talking about it, 
and doing everything we can to make sure we can come out there and help and support you when uh, your time comes up. But make sure we're down there every year, every two years, uh, and every four years to make sure that people get out, get voted, I mean, get registered and get out to vote and make mm-hmm. sure they're also uh, uh, responding to that census because those are valuable dollars that are, are being used and, and, and taken away. And we have to address the, the uh, prison gerrymandering because, uh, you know, when they're in your jails and, and in the prisons, mm-hmm. they get counted in other communities mm-hmm. and not their own, uh, which That's also right. sends mm-hmm. dollars away. So people don't know this and don't understand this and, quite frankly, don't really pay attention to it. So we have to make them aware That's of it right. and bring it, to their, bring it to their attention. So I want to thank you, Cher. I want to thank you for coming on. And I'm looking forward to uh, having you on every month. Um, in fact, I would like to do next month on the 9th, just before we do the uh, Congressional Black Caucus, because I would love for you to mm-hmm. speak just before, before that happens and, uh, and uh, um, uh, highlight what's going on uh, over the last month, how your, night, your uh, national night out went, <coughs> and all the things mm-hmm. that are going okay. on. And, and then the, uh, uh, that will also be a part of where you would have uh, uh, gotten your board together. And so we can talk about that as that well correct. and see, see how the board is coming along and, and, and uh, where this HB 370 bill is going. And uh, hopefully by that time, it will have been vetoed and sustained, and we won't have to worry about yeah. it. But we can certainly celebrate it when we talk about it. Because even yeah. Tom Tillis has gotten into the act of trying to come to Congress and in the U.S. Senate and try to put some legislation in. Yes, yes, he has. Unfortunately, he, he's introduced a sister <laughs> bill, as I referred to it, uh, in the Senate, and uh, we know he's up for re-election also. And let me just say one more thing about the census. You're so correct. The census is very, very important, and we have to participate. I'm very fortunate that here in Durham we have a, we have a strong uh, ab- uh, advocacy m- moving toward the, uh, the census and in- engaging people to, uh, to take part. Uh, in the census uh, participate So I think we're going to be strong here in Durham uh, Oh great If not we're going to lose Hundreds of millions of dollars uh, exactly. So Durham we're pushing the census Each and every day I look forward to the show I'm so excited to, to be a regular on your show Thank you for the platform And thank you for all that you do In getting this message out to the black community And beyond Because we have to be informed In this day and time we cannot sit back and, and wait for someone to tell us how to vote. We need to know how to vote, and we need to educate ourselves. So thank you for the, giving me this opportunity, certainly for all that you do. No, I thank you, sir. I, I am just glad to be here. I'm glad to have the opportunity and glad to have you uh, as a part of it from, from you know, participating with the magazine to the art to, to the regular on the show. Hey, I'm opening up these platforms because I need people like you coming out, talking, educating us. Helping us understand because so many people don't understand what it is that you do as a sheriff and don't understand the impact that you can have and uh, why holding that position is so vital to our community. It's just vital to our community. So I am excited to have each and every month um, and we're going to look forward to it and and, uh, bring some other folks in and and have some round tables and and just just we're just gonna have some good fun on this show with you on every month. So I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to seeing you in DC. And I want to thank you, sir. Uh, please, please enjoy yourself tomorrow. Be safe out there tomorrow, and let everyone know that um, hey, what you're doing, you're doing it for them, and that uh, they are they are certainly a part of uh, uh, your focus and your your purpose and and what you're doing. So I want to thank you again and, and enjoy yourself. Thank you so much. Listen, I hope you feel better and look forward to seeing you uh, in D.C. as well and, and talking to you in September. Thank you all. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I say, folks, get involved. Understand what's going on and understand what's at stake because, see, what's at stake for you and your community is vitally important to what's at stake for your family. If you are not engaged, if you are not involved, you miss out. And you cannot miss out at this day and time and this age right now because what's happening in this country is it's, it's vitally important to your sustainability. Sheriff Burkhead said life, and I could not agree with him more. Life is what's at stake because when you have people who don't value life and are willing to say, because someone else said something, I'm going to go and kill you, 
it can happen at any moment. It can happen at any time. It can happen anywhere. And although there may be targets on people's back because they're coming across the border, it could be a target on your back tomorrow. So if it's social, economic, or political, it's Black Politics Today. And I want to ask you and thank you for joining us tonight, but certainly say get involved, get engaged, get empowered, make sure you vote, and make sure you respond to your census. Because if you don't, you can lose it all. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today on I for What's at Stake in Global Politics with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes at Black Politics Today. Today.